Welcome to Peeves Gabfest, a chapter-by-chapter, page-to-screen analysis of the Harry Potter series. Today, we're kicking off Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, or Philosopher's Stone. The book was published in 1997, and the film was released a few years later in 2001, directed by Christopher Columbus. Chapter 1, The Boy Who Lived, is essentially the cold open of the film, which is about 4 minutes and 8 seconds. In this short opening, we are introduced to Albus Dumbledore, played by the late Richard Harris, Minerva McGonagall, played by Dame Maggie Smith, and Rubeus Hagrid, played by the late Robbie Coltrane. However, we seem to be missing a few important booked characters. Before we start gabbing, we want to give a small spoiler warning. We will be using our vast knowledge of the Wizarding World to compare the page to the screen, and we may gab about moments that happen later in the books or films. You've been warned, Icklefirsties. Now, without further ado, let's cause some mischief. Um, but let's get into kind of the general discussion of the chapter. Um, the chapter opens with a day in the life for Mr. Dursley, although it isn't an ordinary day. Um, and these scenes aren't in the film, but they are implied by Professor McGonagall. So I think this this whole thing about a screen page page to screen analysis is awesome. But you obviously realize watching the movie beginning to watch the movie how much is left out of the first part because you read the chapter of the book and you're going like there's so much in here that would have made this so awesome to begin with like when you watch the the few minutes of the beginning of the film like oh it's like it's really interesting oh what's happening um but now you realize that there's a like you're missing a buildup yeah that the book gives you because the book is building it up this entire time. Like you're literally in the mind of Vernon Dursley, who's trying to like have a normal day and do normal things. And all of a sudden his mind is racing off into this little dark area that he's kind of hidden off from himself and his life. And it's being brought back up to the front forefront of his mind. And he's like, Nope, that can't be. Nope. And he's coming up with all these excuses until all of these little dominoes fall into effect. Yeah. And he can't stop thinking about it anymore until he brings it up with his wife and just all of this stuff. And so to me, like that was like five minutes of potential buildup and for a movie, uh, essentially, that we just never got to make this world feel a little bit more extraordinary. Right. Being able to see all of these wizards celebrating yeah I really hope that we can see that in the show because again that's just some world building that we get to see I want to see Nicholas Diddle shooting off the fireworks you know (laughs) yeah I feel the same way and I'm so I'm glad that you two feel this way also by the way for the listeners we did not discuss any of this with each other before we um, started recording because we kind of want to have this conversation be as organic as possible so I didn't even know how you two were going to feel although I know that we're you know similar enough that we all have similar enough feelings about the series and how they adapted them to the screen but I I mean 
it would have been so simple to add in two minutes, you know, of, or maybe more of Vernon Dursley just walking around and like, you know, we, we get there from context clues in the next scene, like in the next chapter, like we, you know, they show us in the TV show that the Dursleys suck, but like, not re I mean, I don't know. It just feels like, okay, yeah, like we got to write this because like he's supposed to, you know, the family's supposed to not be great and Harry, you know, right. doesn't like it, but we don't really get um that, that actual feeling of it. And I, I think that having it written from the perspective of Vernon Dursley in particular uh, is such a great way that JK wrote that, um that opening part of that chapter. And so it just, I don't know. I just like sucks that yeah. <laughs> right off the bat that they're that gone. was taken out. Right. And yeah. I can't wait to see, like, I mean, there's no way they're not going to include this in the show. Right. And I can't wait to yeah. see how they portray everything that's going on in Vernon's mind as he's seeing these people in these bright purple cloaks and um, definitely like, you know, is it going to be a voiceover yeah. or is it going to be like yeah. just someone narrating? Oh, yes. Right. It's going to be completely silent, but we kind of know what he's thinking based right. off of what he's like show expressing. Right. Well, I that would be cool to do that because uh, in that chapter, he doesn't say anything except for if he has to say he says sorry when he bumps into somebody, you know, like he he only speaks when he absolutely has to. But really, it's it's not that long, but you really get a sense of what his inner monologue is like. And so it would be really fun to like not even have him speak during that opening scene but just you know having his facial expressions and um just kind of him being jostled around and just like looking at, you know at the people around him and being really confused and I think that they could do such a good job with it and this also made me think and we can get into this more later but um a good way that they could portray this like to show how different the wizarding world is from the muggle world in a really simple way is how Vernon is so annoyed with the bright cloaks and so that's a really like simple but effective way that in the series that they would be able to showcase that because you know the wizards and witches and whoever is involved from the wizarding world would be wearing these bright cloaks and they would look so out of place with all of these I'm assuming Suits, you know, people yeah. wearing just the the plain suits and so I feel like that would be a cool way for them to show that difference. I just had a thought as we were talking about like fashion because today's fashion is so out there anyway like I don't yeah. know that cloaks would necessarily be that outlandish in today's fashion world so I'm wondering when they're gonna, like are they really gonna set this during the 90s or will it be set um in today's timeline? That's, That's definitely an interesting thought. Well, whatever they do, I think that it is going to be a huge win for the Dursleys because there's going to be more potential to to grow them as characters than what yeah. we got to see in the movies. Because in the movies, we kind of just get really five minutes with them consistently. And there were some movies where they just weren't there. Like, they were just completely cut out. But in the books, like, they have so much character growth and so much potential that when you get to the last one, sorry, spoilers, but we warned you, uh, they say goodbye to each other, and it's like this big moment. But in the movies, it feels kind of flat because, like, we don't really get to know them as characters. Sure, yeah. And so in the TV show, like, 
that we're going to be able to get a lot more of these characters and be able to like get a chance to be like, oh, they're awful people and like see them grow and appreciate Harry for who he is down the line until it gets to that big moment of being yeah. able to have yeah. to say goodbye. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It sounds like we're all really interested in the, um, like the characterization um, of the show and what the show can do yeah. for these characters. Um, but moving Definitely. on to into the chapter, the Dursleys go to bed after having this conversation about Harry. Um, and we finally find out what's been happening according to Dumbledore and McGonagall. Witches and wizards are celebrating the fall of Voldemort. We also learn that James and Liz- Lily have perished, but their son, Harry, survived. I wanted to call out the fact that I actually liked they cut the line from the book where Dumbledore is like oh is that you McGonagall or and then McGonagall's like how did you know and I feel like in this point of their friendship he would know they would have known each other <laughs> he would know yeah what yeah McGonagall looks like so I kind of did like that being cut out of the film I did not even think about that but you're so right definitely one thing I didn't like that they cut out, though, is the conversation about the lemon drops. Because Me too. I feel like that shows you his goofy personality exactly. right up front. And the film, just you don't get that at all. And I mean, I loved Richard Harris as Dumbledore, but you don't get that sense of quirkiness from him. And that lemon drop line, especially... The fact that his passwords to his office are always the candy. I know. You just miss that. Always. The film, that quirkiness from Dumbledore. Yep. That's like all I could think about during that whole, that part of that chapter was, I was so frustrated that they, <laughs> this whole, you guys, I really liked the movie. Because <laughs> I feel like every time that we have, when we do an episode, it's just going to be me saying that I didn't like something about the films. But <laughs> Um, I really didn't like that they took that out because I feel like, again, such a simple way to really demonstrate what the tone and the humor and like the dialogue was actually like in the books. And they just took all of that out of the, of the movies. And it's really, it, that was probably one of my, my biggest peeves peeves (laughs) for like all of the movies because because Dumbledore is so funny yeah. and and he's so lighthearted while also of course also being like you know the most magical mystical mysterious person ever but he's so he's so funny and it just like it sucks because like when he was I remember reading it for the first time and cracking up about him unsticking the lemon drop so he didn't answer Mr. Mrs. McGonagall because he was unsticking the lemon drops. I remember laughing about that because I was like, that's that's comedy, folks. Like, that's so funny <laughs> that, that she would throw that in there and it would, like, totally fit with what was going on and all, be about something so serious, which is, you know, the fall of Voldemort and these parents dying and this infant now being an orphan and, like, having to go live with these terrible people. Like, it's such a heavy subject. And yet, JK wrote it in a way that made me just crack up and I just absolutely love it. And so anyways, to 
I just went on a whole tangent about what you said Saturday, but I, I mean, I, that for? like broke my heart when they took that out of the films because I feel like that they like kind of made their choice right, right in those first few minutes of what the tone was. Yeah. Well, and it, and it definitely feels like when I watched it now after I read the chapter first before I watched the the part and it felt rushed. Yeah. It just felt like they were trying to get it to the the part where they showed the title and they're just like, we have to get it just like yeah. really quickly. So boom, Dumbledore shows up. Boom, he takes out the light. Boom, McGonagall shows up. Uh, the Boom, they like mentioned something about Voldemort and like, oh, the Potters are dead. Boom, Hagrid shows up. Boom, they leave him on the doorstep. Done. Over. You're so right. It does feel really rushed. Yeah, I didn't really think of it in that way, but it, it does. And that's not the... It's just like, that's not the point when all of us who read the books, we were like, no, we don't need it to be rushed. We like right. all those little moments. You know what the, You know what it reminds me of? Are we allowed to talk about Marvel? Of course. Um, the, like, the scenes, like, in um, Thor, when he hangs the hammer on the... Uh, Thor Dark Worlds when he hangs the hammer on the coat ha- coat rack mm-hmm. when they yeah, go yeah. into the house, you know, yep. moments like that are so funny. And Marvel tends to do a really good job at putting those superheroes into those really normal situations. And I think the books of Harry Potter do a really good job of that as well, where there are these really normal things like Dumbledore is talking about like this gigantic thing. Literally the whole world is celebrating the whole wizarding world is celebrating this occasion. And he is distracted about his lemon drops (laughs) sticking together. And so that I love that type of humor. I think that that's just wonderful and it makes the whole storyline, you know, have like a different feel to it. And so I, I feel like that was um, just, she just did such a good job with that when she was writing it. Right. I do want to put a footnote in here for our listeners. We do understand that it is a movie and that they had to cut some things and all this other stuff. Don't get us wrong, listeners. We're just, we're doing an analysis of the things that could have potentially have been put into the movie and uh, we it didn't get to happen, so we're reminiscing about that. But we're also excited that this new show is coming and could potentially add these exactly. things of that course. we were so kind of sad a little bit disappointed to then now be able to have it kind of just show up on screen and be able to have a new potential way of being able to tell the stories. So I don't want to hear any feedback <laughs> from anybody <laughs> saying that, uh, hey, it's a movie. Like, right. Just like it, like they couldn't put everything in it. Like we get that, yeah. we understand that. But the whole point of the screen to page analysis, like page to screen analysis, is to talk about the things that we didn't get to see, that we want to see, uh, that is potentially coming down the yeah, road. Exactly. Well, and and th- they could have because of course, you know, as we've said like forty times already, they of course have to cut things down to be put into a movie. But they could have added some of these small things in, like these one things liners, that were like griping one about. Liners. Totally could have added yeah. it in, or the way that they wrote the the dialogue between McGonagall and Dumbledore, the way that they that I don't know if it was a director's choice or whose choice it was, but the whoever decided the vibe of the way that McGonagall and Dumbledore were talking to each other is so much different, like yes. drastically different, and it could have been. It was like the same, um, almost the same amount of words spoken, you know, maybe a little bit more in the book, but really it was 
a short conversation in the book. The right. chapters, I don't know how many pages. The chapter is not very many pages. It is very short. And so they <laughs> didn't have to like no. expand it into this huge long scene in order to get all of those, the feelings and, you know, all of that dialogue into the movie. They could have done the same amount of time or had the same amount of time or maybe added a few minutes and completely changed the whole tone of it. I agree with you 100%. Definitely. And like, I, okay, I get cutting the whole day in the life of Vernon Dursley. Sure. Moving on. What you just said about <laughs> the tone of their conversation, um, you get a completely, like in the movie, you don't get the sense that they cared about Lily and James like you do in the book. Like McGonagall's right. tearing up. In oh the book. yeah, she's definitely. Not, she is stone faced in the movie, and like that's how yeah. uh, Maggie Smith portrayed her throughout the films. But she could have showed a little emotion about um, how upsetting it is that Lily and James perished. I mean, they were all a part of the Order of the Phoenix that we'll find out in book five. But, I mean, they just, like, is it true? They died? Oh, what about the baby? And it's, like, that's it. They don't have that emotion that these two young kids are gone. Right. Well, and they um, they don't really show – okay. Th- okay, so this is <laughs> – I'm sorry. <laughs> this just, like, again, bothers me about basically the whole – all of the movies and the way that they adapted them from the books is – they will add in certain things to try to stick to the book. It's like every 10 minutes, they'll be like, Oh, got to make sure that we do exactly what the book did right here. It's like, they have like mark, like a mile marker. And so they have when Hagrid like lets out a whale or whatever in the book. And it's so funny in the book. And, but in the movie, they add something like that in, but it does not fit what's going on. And so then, Dumbledore just looks at him they're there Haggard but in the in the book it fits and in the movie it's like there's all that emotion in the books and that's just not there so this this sob that he lets out in the film is just like where did that come from like why do you care about the little boy why are you like just because he brought down the dark lord like (gasps) we need to get people on this podcast eventually that have that never read the books but only watch the movies because I am always really really curious every time I watch the movies I'm like what is somebody who has never read the books and probably won't ever read the books but enjoys the movies enough to watch them what do they think about these films because I feel like there's got to be so many gaps where right. they're like confused about something and this is an example maybe I'm wrong but I I would be really curious I, I guess I haven't really asked yeah. very many people because most have people have read the books that but. is in that all right she was she was gonna reread the books with us as we do the episodes so we could definitely <gasps> ask her about oh, it perfect I love it so moving on Dumbledore <laughs> thinks it's best that Harry live with his aunt and uncle out of the spotlight and Hagrid arrives with baby Harry. Can I say something? <laughs> yes, you okay. can. <laughs> Listeners, I wish you could have seen the biggest smile that I have ever seen on anybody's face just on Sarah Day's uh, face just now before she said that. Okay, I don't know if it will happen or that I actually really want it to happen. But in the book, Hagrid mentions that Sirius Black is the one that gave him the motorcycle. And then later on yes. in The Prisoner of Azkaban, like we find out that he, Sirius, 
wants to take Harry. Um, and I would love to see more. Obviously, the movie didn't come out before that book did. Now we have all of the information. We know this whole story and Easter eggs can now happen from later books that you might not catch unless you like read the books or know. And I would love to see not necessarily this that scene play out, but maybe some more Easter eggs about this because we know it's like in this first book, it's just a it's just a pass it and you miss it sentence that Sirius gave him the bike. Um, yeah. And so I don't know if I need to see that whole scene in this first episode, but I do. <laughs> I would, or even like having Hagrid get Harry from the ruins because we don't know anything. Like, did yes, did he? Was he? Who was there as soon as the house blew up? Like, what did that look like? How did he get Harry? Was Harry just yeah. chilling in this house for hours? Right. Like, I am so excited to get some more information. Hopefully. <laughs> We need answers. We need answers. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of implied in the books based off of like kind of what I remember. It's just like there. That... James, let us let us live in mystery and not know what's going on. I actually, I, okay. Guys, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I actually listen to the audiobooks to fall asleep at night. So I've like, I would like to say i know what's happened in the books but i really don't remember so tell me james what are you remembering that i'm not <laughs> so i think it, it it goes a little bit deeper into uh into like book three uh when we discover that sirius black was there and, and like we discover that peter Pettigrew, uh you know and sirius black were kind of doing their little thing and in the books it delves a little bit deeper into that little backstory but like Peter Pettigrew sold them out. Voldemort goes over there, destroys the house. Sirius Black finds out, and as it make it made it feel like, and as as we do our page to screen analysis, and we get to that book, like we can actually maybe discover this, but like it made it look like that Sirius and Hagrid had gotten there at the same time, right. within moments, because the magic had gone away, and it was basically a big event. And everybody, like the muggles, were like seeing that the house blew up and uh, they were beginning to see like everything kind of being like, oh, what's going on? So it made it it made it feel like this was like well-known mm-hmm. event. Yeah. And so people reacted as fast as they could. And as Hagrid, I think Hagrid got there first and got Harry yeah, and Sirius was like, let me take him. Right. And Hagrid was like, no, I got my orders. Uh, let me go because then he felt really bad finding out that Sirius had killed them, right? Like had betrayed them, and but became this murderer. And he was like feeling very distraught about almost giving Harry to Sirius and being like, "Oh, what would have happened to?" Yeah, him? exactly. But I guess my question is more of the timeline of those events, right? Because we know Voldemort tries to Avada Kedavra Harry, and the house blows up. Um, and you're right, that is a big spectacle. But that's when Sirius finds out Peter Pettigrew betrayed them. And then they have their battle and Peter kills all those people. And then he goes to the house. But like, how much time is that? Where are those locations? Why? Like, what is Harry doing during this time? Just like bawling in this house? Like, do the muggles grab the baby? Like, I would really love to no, see that. No, but it's in Godric's out. Hollow. There's no, there's no muggles, right? Because they're in Godric's Correct. Hollow. Right. But, but. I mean, this conversation is making me think that we need to 
create a Harry Potter detective <laughs> show where we just Definitely. analyze everything down to the second and come up with a timeline for everything. I think it says in the first chapter that Hagrid mentions that the muggles were seeing uh, were, were about to swarm the area and like see what happened to the house. So I think there are muggles in Godric's Hollow. I, I do or at least close by I do recall like muggles being around the ruins but because then they have to enchant it so like it was or maybe no 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 you know what I think we're confusing or conflating James the uh Peter Pettigrew and Sirius battle with the house explosion because they said it was a gas explosion that caused all the muggles to die but it was Peter Pettigrew oh yeah so I think we're just um, confusing that um but um do you guys have any more thoughts on <laughs> this um this <laughs> portion of the chapter <laughs> i mean i'll get back to you because i'm looking at the book right now just to verify to prove your point <laughs> just a little bit i have a little so bit of you. like me wanting to be right uh-huh. that, that exactly that is ravenclaw of me like i know this is fact <laughs> i know what i studied i <laughs> but you guys can continue on and I'll just say hey yeah I was right by the way okay. <laughs> um, so like I said uh, McGonagall does mention how horrible um, that the, Dur- the Dursleys are and that she's been watching them all day so she did make reference to the first part of the chapter um, but like we mentioned it would be nice to get that fleshed out and really get a sense of who the Dursleys are ourselves before baby Harry is being left with them yeah, that's how I feel. Um. So yeah, the trio leaves, baby. Okay. Yeah. So we're we're close enough that I can jump in now. So Hagrid says, "No, sir. House was almost destroyed, but I got him out all right before the Muggles started swarming around. He fell asleep as we were flying over Bristol." We'll so there are Muggles. Later and see. Um, oh, you know what? Because isn't um, Hogsmeade is the only place that has no muggles? I thought it was Godric's Hollow, but Hogs. You're right. It would be Hogsmeade. Hogsmeade is the one because it's right next to Hogwarts. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the trio, um, meaning Dumbledore, McGonagall, and Harry. No. <laughs> the trio, meaning Dumbledore, McGonagall, and Hagrid. <laughs> leave baby Harry on the doorstep with a letter explaining what happened to Petunia's sister and brother-in-law. So when I read this and I was envisioning, you know, like how it would look, I thought to myself how funny it would be in the, if in the TV show when Hagrid goes, or like even when Hagrid like arrives with the motorcycle or when he just starts bawling his head off, like doing something loud we like see a scene where Mr. Dursley's going. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> that would be hilariously like comedic uh, mm. in anything. And just kind of just like, those are like kind of little things that you can only do in TV shows. Right. Yeah. Like, like obviously that would have never been put into a movie of sorts, but like 
my goodness gracious, like that would be so hilarious if they're trying to be quiet and then Hagrid's like, oh, and then it like will be they almost wake up the muggles. To see the tone of the series, because obviously the books, you know, they start light and they get heavier as the seven books go on. But be- this being an HBO Max show, which tends to be a more mature audience, it will be interesting to see like how especially the first two books that are very you know young adult are gonna play out in the show i'm so excited i hope that it's um that they do a good job of keeping the tone lighthearted throughout because you can have i mean all of these books are a really great example of you can have really dark stuff going on but still have a lot of humor and that's kind of just part of grief in general is having like both of those going on at the same time and so I really hope that of course they keep the lighthearted humor but that they do make it uh more adults because I think that most people who are going to be watching are probably going to be older not like young children but well they probably will be like newer young children that'll you know their parents will be getting them into it but because it's not like you know a book series that's sweeping the nation like it was when we were growing right. up and reading them. It's it's going to have a little bit of a different feel. It's probably going to be a lot of parents, a lot more parents getting their kids into it than yeah. like just kids reading it in general. So anyways, I hope that they make it um, more serious. I think that, that would be really fun to see that side of it and not in a way where they like make everything unnecessarily dramatic and take out all of the humor like they did in some of the films but um but I do think that that would be really cool to see kind of like a gritty version I was about to say even like um the Dursleys are terrible terrible they've always been terrible but in the books it was more of a comedic spin on how terrible they are but maybe now like you said like the original audience is all grown up and we some of us have kids of our own now and so um they can be more like I said, mature. And, and so the Dursleys might be portrayed as really nasty in this show. Right. One, you know, this just makes me think too, spoiler alert, um, with how, <laughs> with how much like, you know, we know that the Dursleys suck the whole time. And then Harry keeps having to go back and see the Dursleys every year or every summer, even though he doesn't want to obviously. And um, you know, that's, part of it but then you obviously we find out late in the series how much it's like that importance I guess of Harry having to go back to be with the Dursleys Mm -hmm. and the movies don't really explain that very well they kind of like it's like they throw it in there because they're supposed to but the books really I mean the books really really expand on that and make it really clear um how much that has affected the entire like plot line of the whole series and it's fed into so many other things that Harry didn't even think about and so I think that more more background and time with the Dursleys and more than just kind of like throwing them in there to be like ah these people are the worst but we're only gonna see them for 30 seconds and then that's it like we need to have time because he was there for months and so in the books they tend to just get right to when school starts which again or sorry, sorry, in the movies, yeah. they get right to when school starts because, yes, they have to condense things. And so hopefully the shows will include that summertime because 
there were often, I mean, some of the books are like many chapters of Harry dealing with stuff in the summer before he even gets to school. And it's so, it's important for trying to, you know, build the friendships and being kind of, you know, going through, I don't know if insecurities is the right word, but going through those struggles of like not being able, well, he is in certain, some books he is insecure with not being able to um, spend time with Harry and Hermione at all during the summer, not being able to communicate with them. And anyways, the the movies overall just kind of gloss over it a lot yeah. because they're trying to just get to like the big bad thing that happens, you know, 85% of the way through the school year, every book, <laughs> but, um, I which think at the time, yeah, totally doable. <laughs> yeah. You know. And so I think that it would be really cool in the, in the show, if they could spend more time with the jerseys, we yeah. want that as readers, you know, absolutely. Yeah. Flesh out these characters, gosh dang it. Seriously. <laughs> um, so what do you guys think the first episode of the show will be like? Do you think it will just be this first chapter or maybe the first two? Or do you think it will end with I, Hagrid coming? I think there is plenty in the first chapter to be the first episode. Like just to have the first half be all about the Dursley's lifestyle and how normal it is. And just like, then the buildup, like I said, like I was saying before uh, earlier, just like having that buildup be, get, be getting get bigger and bigger and bigger. And just like, what is this? Cause the entire time I was reading the book, like I was like getting that inkling of the feeling of like, Oh, like what's this mystery? You're like, Oh, like this mystery here and this mystery here. And it's just like, he's all pool. He's Dursley. Mr. Dursley's putting it all together. And so are we. And we're just like, what is this? He goes to bed. Then we find out yeah. and we make all this big discovery. And there's plenty between Dumbledore and McGonagall and Hagrid that could fill yeah. that time. Seeing hair, Hagrid that extra get time from the house. Seeing, see, exactly adding some of like some yeah. of that maybe additional stuff and then it ends just like the mo- like the movie where it ends with harry potter sleeping right and yeah. uh you know it, and they it showing the title of the the episode or credits rolling kind of scenario uh or even like just to be more on the comedic side just like have time by go a little bit and it's kind of like morning and the door opens and we hear mrs dursley scream (laughs) oh yeah i'd love that That especially because they say that yeah they say that in the book and so you know what i would love it i mean i'm biased because i love the show the marvelous mrs mazel and so i would love if they had like um, that sort of feeling in the first episode wh- where they're just showing the Dursleys going about their lives, where it's like this picture perfect type of family. And there's like this music going on and, you know, they're just kind of like walking around doing their thing. And Mrs. Dursley spying on the neighbors yes. and, you know, just like them living their like picture perfect lives for them. Like the first like they 10 or that so perfect. minutes you think it's going to yeah. be about this family. Totally. And it's just like, or kind of like how WandaVision was where, you know, that, that whole beginning part was just like this perfect little couple. And there's just like fun, like upbeat music going on and stuff. And, and then obviously it, you will find out that that's not what the whole storyline is going to be. And so I 
what I okay I feel like I should just direct the move the yeah. show I feel like that's my conclusion <laughs> just hire us HBO. I just think yeah I mean I do I agree with you James I think that there's so much just in this first tiny little chapter that they could put into a show that would be so much fun to watch I would love it and then it kind of just sets the precedence for the entire show after that. Just like yeah. we are going to now explore yeah. this random world yeah. that we know nothing about. And we're going to discover it all with this new character called Harry Potter. Right. So. Because if they did that where it was like this music is going on and you just see Mrs. Dursley doing her thing and Mr. Dursley doing his thing. And, you know, you just like see all of that going on and everything looks too perfect. You know that something's going to happen. And so, like you said, James, where... JK writes it so that there's this buildup and this mystery that's going on during that first part of the chapter. And then obviously we find out what did happen. Um, and we're like, who are the Potters? Who are they? And so they could totally do that just like with a 10 minute scene, you know, of just, we're all like, okay, we're just waiting for something to happen. Cause we know that life isn't actually like this. And okay. I'm excited. I am excited for, this to be exactly what's in my head. <laughs> I've already built up my expectation, apparently. Um, uh, whatever they do, I'm sure it'll be fine. But uh, yeah, I'm so excited. It'll be fun to revisit when the show comes out, like revisit our yeah. our episodes of and see like how we did predicting the show. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, do you guys have any thoughts on the general discussion before we get into um, our other segments here? Uh, no, but I do have an answer for Godric's Hollow. Oh, well, let us know. <laughs> okay, so this is what I was thinking. Now that I read this, I'm like, okay, I know why I made this jump. Godric's Hollow was one of the places where magical families had come to live alongside muggles. So I think it was one of the uh, oldest wizarding neighborhoods, basically. Yeah. And so, okay, that's what I was thinking mm. of. But yeah, I think I didn't look at Hogsmeade. I didn't Google that. But I think you're right. I think Hogsmeade's the only wizarding village. Mm -hmm. And Godric's Hollow is one of the first places where they were living together. I'm sure all the readers are like, uh, yeah, we know. Yeah, we've, we've just lost all of our to come to that. We don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> We'll do more research next time, guys. <laughs> will we though, or will we <laughs> well, not even not remember what to research? Boss. Come on now. <laughs> trust, trust me, I will make sure that I get my facts right all the time. Well, um, <laughs> I me, won't. So why don't you go ahead and tell us what your peeves pleasure was? Um, for the. I guess for the book or for the movie guess, or like, for anything. the the way that it compared right. or whatever you liked the most, I guess. Okay. What I liked the most was Dumbledore's humor in the book and which we've already covered that at length. Um, I can continue talking about it for another like 30 minutes if you want talking about him with the lemon drops, but I won't do that. Um, no, I loved, I just loved uh, diving right back into that like very sweet humor. That's so, it just, you know, sets the tone for the whole series, I think. Um, so I loved that. And then in the movie, uh, I liked, um, I feel like the CGI was really good. <laughs> I know that doesn't oh, really have anything to do with the comparison. I feel for, for its time, time. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously now they would have done well, much better, but I feel like, yeah. The, seven, the eight movies, I'm sorry. Like, you can see, like, what we were re-watching the first film. I'm like, wow, they, like, you can see the progression of CGI in the eight films. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, t thinking about 22 years ago, right. like, it's, yeah. you know, I feel like, so I, I 
feel like for its time, um, that was like, it was kind of fun to watch it. Um, But, and it was not so wild wild to think about. That's why it's like, Um, okay, it's really not too out of the blue for them to reboot the series. Like 22 years. Yeah. It's been a couple decades. Yeah. Um, We're sorry, getting old. It's okay. No, that's okay. No, that's what this this whole podcast is just going to be us like getting excited <laughs> exactly. and sharing stuff. I'm I am not worried at all. Um, I uh, I don't know. I just like that. Okay, I just I hate to to be like this because I I really like try hard to be really positive about stuff that I'm consuming, but I um didn't like really care for this adaptation of the chapter which I think is pretty clear with everything that I've said already anyways so it's hard for me to think about something that I really loved um in the in this very small portion of the film but I do think that they did a good job with what they were trying to do with the movie with having the um that like whimsical music that started out and then you know with the title scene of course but then also just like in general you know, the twinkly kind of music that was going on. I feel like they really nailed it with like building a magical world and creating music that was like very noticeable and recognizable. And so that was able to um, carry on throughout all of the movies with all of the very, very different things and very different tones and vibes and everything that was happening through all the movies. So I feel like it, it really did set the tone for exactly what they were trying to do for the whole, for the whole, which, you know, side note, the music was composed by John Williams. Thank you. Who did star Wars, Mm -hmm. Jurassic park, uh, Superman, uh, and all these other kind of iconic, well-known themes right. and iconic themes that a lot of people just kind of know. So he did both um, the first and second films. Uh, and lazy bum, we... man. Star Wars and Jurassic Park and Superman. And Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> oh, side note. Further side note. So for the first and second films, the Oregon Symphony back when... Mr. Meigs and I lived in Oregon. We went to up to Portland to watch the Oregon Symphony perform the musical score for the first two Harry Potter movies. And I think that they continued doing them, but we moved away from Oregon. So we haven't seen one since. And so they would take, uh, they hosted it in a theater, like a nice theater in Portland. And they would have a big screen, a big projector screen, and they would show the movie. And anytime any music would they be would playing, play the <gasps> symphony would play it. Wow. I mean, goosebumps right now, even thinking about it, I was like crying a whole bunch of the time. It was I so it was beautiful watching it. Oh, it was absolutely amazing. So highly awesome. recommend all of you Google if they have that available because I know that they've done it for other films as well. That's awesome. Um, and so that is something that I highly, highly recommend for um, for any type of franchise that has a good musical score. You know, um, definitely, definitely recommend. Very cool. Love it. Um, James, what was your peeves pleasure? So mine was in the book and it was the small paragraph where Mr. Dursley kind of just has everything put together in his mind and he just he he give he caves and asks 
uh, asks Petunia about her family. Uh, and it reads, uh, Mr. Dursley sat frozen in his armchair, shooting stars all over Britain, <laughs> owls flying by daylight, mysterious people in cloaks all over the place, and a whisper, a whisper about the potters. And it just leaves like a little dot, dot, dot. He's just like, uh, is this really what I think it is? And when I was reading it, I was just like, Yep, there's that moment that, you know, nothing is normal, no matter how hard you try to ignore it. Uh, you just cannot ignore some of the spectacular things that go on in life. Uh, and that was just one of my favorite parts, because he's, he tried very hard. And that was just when the tone of the book changed into something that was normal and upbeat and just an everyday thing for us to a more spectacular magical extraordinary world yeah was that your Weasley salute I mean it could be yeah, a Weasley salute but sounds, that was, I liked that yeah no that sounds like a that, was salute. <laughs> that was my that was my pleasure okay in that entire thing wow. was that yeah. that entire chapter that was my pleasure and I loved <laughs> that so much so yeah that can even also be my weasley salute because my goodness yeah i could hear the passion behind that i'm like uh that sounds like a weasley salute moment sir <laughs> um i already mentioned uh my preference really but i really um my my preference is talking about the adaptation and the fact that they left out the line dumbledore said to McGonagall about um fancy seeing you here and McGonagall replies about how did you know it was me um yeah. I really like that they left that out of the movie because it just does not make sense to me <laughs> sounds like that's also your peeves peeves no it's not my peeves peeves <laughs> um my peeves peeves is actually that we didn't see any wizard celebrations I'm really looking yeah. forward to seeing that in the show I agree. That needs to happen for sure. Um, okay. Do you have any peeves peeves, James? I actually did not. Uh, if I'm kind of just basing off my experience with the book, um, I really don't think there was anything that, I mean, like I did say they, it, the, the moment in the movie felt rushed. Uh, and that could have been something I maybe disliked a little bit, but like overall, like I loved the chapter of the book. Uh, it's a great beginning first chapter to a story, just like any book that uh, the, any good book there is. Um, and then there's just the beginning of the movie at the time was when I first watched it was awesome and I loved it. And it was the, you know, those actors Two of them weren't aren't even here anymore, uh, and I just love that. I love those characters uh, that they bring to life and and things like that. So I don't really have a peeves peeves uh, this time around. I think. Sweet. What about you, Megan? Um, I think the humor taking that out. I think that's my peeve. My peeves. 
All right, so let's get to our Weasley salute. James, do you want to go ahead and just keep what you said earlier as your Weasley salute, or did you have another moment? I mean, when I think Weasley salute, I think obviously we should just recognize some of the things that were were not able to, uh, that just stood out to us. And, and for me, that was the moment that stood out to me the most. So keeping it like that is definitely what I'm going to go with because it, it really impacted me yesterday and I could can I it got me excited to just read this yeah. book like like just like that wow. so we'll we'll leave it at that <laughs> but there definitely is more to more to the story and all that stuff like I love that they mentioned Sirius Black so I mean, yeah salute to him because yeah, he true. needs all the he's one of my favorite characters oh. one of you know same yeah, he's my second favorite, so I'm so excited to see that character fleshed out. Meeks, what about your Weasley salute? Um, I think I'm going to salute Dumbledore in general. Okay. I loved him in the book, as I've mentioned. Um, <laughs> hashtag lemon drop. Hashtag justice for the lemon drops. Um, <laughs> but I think that in the movie, even though he's portrayed quite differently, um, it's really clear right from the beginning that he is the head wizard and yeah. like, you know, everybody looks up to him and he's kind of running the show, but you can tell he's a, he's kind and he's a good leader and that people want to follow him and they trust him. And so um, I just, I just appreciate that they were able in both chapters, I suppose were able to make that come or sorry, right, right, in right. the chapter, in both mediums, they were able to make that come across. Um. And I will say that they did leave out that whole part. Like, I don't even think they mentioned the name Voldemort in the movie. And I might be, may, correct me if I'm wrong, but um, just going off what you're saying, it reminded me that you didn't really get that, like, he's the only one Voldemort wasn't scared of. And Minerva won't even say his name in the book. Right. Yeah, that that's handled in the movie, like, way later. Yeah. Um, well, I'm going to read a little bit of the book because um, this really stood out to me. I just giggled so hard. Um, it is when um, Dursley is leaving um, his office and he bumps into the old man and he falls to the ground and he, he says, sorry, he grunts out a sorry. And the old man says, don't be sorry, my dear sir, for nothing could upset me today. Rejoice, for you know who has gone as last. Even muggles like yourself should be celebrating this happy, happy day. And then the old man hugged Mr. Dursley around the middle and walked <laughs> off. And that old man is yep. my Weasley salute because the... Oh, I love that. I just want to see Vernon's face when this man hugs him around the middle. <laughs> yeah, I really hope that they put that in. That would be awesome. It would be a highlight for me, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I think that that'll be... I oh, Man, okay. We See, we need to find out who's in charge at Max. And we really need to just Send him sit our podcast. down and just have a conversation and just say, hey, come on. Right. Well, um, do you guys have any Peeves ponderings or final thoughts before we sign off here? 
Nope, I'm good. I I, 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 I had a great time. For yeah. our official first episode, like, yeah, we did the introduction episode, but our for official first episode, like, I think this we turned had a out good pretty time. well. Yeah, I do have one thing I wanted to comment on because it reminded something that happened in the book reminded me of something from Marvel, actually. And it's when Hagrid sobs in the book. And Minerva is like, um, yes, yes, very sad, but you've got to quiet down, which reminded me of the Loki meme going around yeah, right now. I know exactly what you're talking yes, about. Yes, yes, very sad. Moving on <laughs> about Asgard. Oh, yeah, he's like, yes, very sad. <laughs> Moving on. Anyway. Yeah. Um, yes. So completely different. Well, I mean, yeah, both tragic, tragic events and then made a little, uh, well, this Harry Potter was not made comedic, but the way she tells Hagrid to settle down just reminded me of that Loki meme. Um, yes. It made me giggle a little bit. But Oh, I love that. On that note, um, thank you for causing havoc with us today. Next time, we will be discussing Chapter 2 of The Vanishing Glass, and that is minutes 408 to 832 of the film. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen and leave a five-star review if you're as mischievous as we are. If you have any feedback for us, leave a voicemail at 409-422-3378. That's 409-GABFEST. Or email us at peevesgabfest at gmail.com. Also, join the discussion in our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash peevesgabfest. And follow us on Instagram at Peeves Gabfest. Until next time, Igle Firsties. <laughs>